Good morning. Good morning. I figured I'd be more hearable if I had my microphone on. Good morning. It's good to be with all of you today. The sun was shining when I got here. I don't know which one of you brought the clouds with you, but we're here now, okay? <laughs> Confession from the front row. It's good to be together with all of you today on this first Sunday following Easter Sunday, which we celebrated last week, uh, but it's a joy to join you in worship today, uh, and it's a good day to be together. And so we're going to begin our service with our first hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Who doubt. May we who have not seen 
have faith in you and receive the fullness of Christ's blessing, who lives and reigns with you, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now for our first reading of Scripture. The first reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 14, 22 through 32. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. You are the Israelites. Listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and knowledge, foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I say to you confidentially, all of our, confidentially of our ancestor David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had warned, had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our lectionary psalm today comes from Psalm 16, a psalm of David. We'll be reading it responsibly. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those children of the God multiply themselves. They bring offering this blood I will not pour out. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a good heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not 
Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is always a joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And now, continuing, we will be singing our next hymn, Be Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, 
you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father had sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. The Psalms are unique among the texts of the Bible for numerous reasons, but one of the more potent reasons I love the Psalms is in the transparency and vulnerability of the authors. There are psalms where the author wrestles with big questions, others where the author is sharing heartache, loss, and despair. There are psalms of praise and psalms of prayer. There are psalms of lament and joy and grief and pain and everything in between. The psalms capture the essence of the human heart. Today's lectionary psalm was Psalm 16. It carries some incredible statements from David about God's character and what it is like for David to rely upon God in his life. So today I want to walk us through this psalm and pay close attention to how David describes God and his relationship with God. First, in verse 1, David says, Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. So, for David, God is a refuge. 
a safe place, a well-protected home. Human beings crave place. And not necessarily geographical place, but we crave belonging. David sees God as his central place of belonging. He can take refuge in God. He knows in God he's embraced, loved, and cared for. One of our greatest desires is to experience that kind of belonging. God created us for community, for relationship, for connection. Without these, we are like plants out of soil, or fish out of water, or donuts without coffee. <laughs> that last little metaphor might be a bit of a stretch, but you get the idea. We desire to belong. God offers us that, and it's born out of God's character. In 1 John, we read that God is love. That means that God invites us to dwell in Him. We find our home, our true home, in God. Now, while this is true, we also encounter experiences where we are lonely, fearful, and feel disconnected or isolated. Those are very real human experiences. God does not ask us to ignore those feelings. Rather, God invites us to bring those feelings to God in prayer. David reminds us that God is our home. In verse 2, David says, I have no good apart from you. David is saying that God is the source of all good things. All the beauty we see, all the love we experience, all the provision for our needs, all the joy and laughter that we share, all the celebrations we enter into, all the sweet and delicious cookies come from God. There's a beautiful invitation in this truth. If we come to recognize that all good things come from God, we're invited to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude for all those good things. They come to us as gifts from God. They're part of God's design for life. So often we take for granted the good things, big and small, that we receive in this life. But when we have our eyes open, and when our souls are awake to the good that God is doing around us and in us and through us, we could be overwhelmed by the sheer amount of good things that surround us. So, notice, notice the good things, my friends, and simply say, thank you, Lord. In verse 5, David says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. What does that mean? Well, here it seems David engages a metaphor from the dining room table. Chosen portion being the select morsel of food, and cup, of course, being the drink. This is a beautiful image of God's goodness and provision for us because we need food and drink to live. And David goes beyond the mere need to suggest that God is the most delicious of all delicious things. That means that God is more delicious than warm, soft, chocolate chip cookies. God is more tasty than triple fudge brownie cake. God is more delectable than my absolute favorite dish, beef stroganoff. Did you know 
that you can taste God? Now some of you might be thinking, Sam, that sounds really strange. What are you getting at? Well, bear with me, because the long trajectory of God and flavors goes way back centuries in our faith. There's another psalm where the author says these words, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus transforms the Passover into the Eucharist and says, Eat, this is my body and my blood. It's pretty powerful when you think about the interconnectedness of our senses and our spirituality. Our sight and our hearing are senses that we rely upon more, but they're actually distance senses. They employ uh, our sense of sight and hearing we sense at a distance, right? You can see something far away. You can hear something far away. But then you kind of come in a little bit closer to the sense of smell. Also a distance sense, but we can't smell as far as we can see and hear. Last but not least comes touch and taste. You have to be able to reach out and make contact before you can use your sense of touch. And of all our senses, taste may be the most intimate of all. Because in order to taste something, we have to put it into you. It requires vulnerability. God invites us to taste Him. We open ourselves up to God, we allow God into us. David says, the Lord is His portion and His cup. God can be your portion and cup as well. In verses 7 and 8, David says, I will bless the Lord, I bless the Lord, who gives me counsel, and He is my right hand. These two statements go hand in hand because David declares that the Lord is his source of wisdom and guidance, and that he sits, the Lord sits right there at David's right hand. To be given a place at the right hand of someone is the highest honor and the place of entire trust. We may be familiar with the figure of speech, my right-hand man, and we know that this means a trusted partner and confidant, someone we rely upon, right? David is saying that this is who God is for you and for me. We can always, always, always go to God for wisdom and guidance. We can trust God with all things that we experience in this life. There may be an invitation for some of us this week to spend time in prayer for wisdom, listening for God's voice and guidance. There may also be choices that we're considering, that we're discerning, and we can pray a prayer of trust and ask the Lord for provision and help with whatever it is that we may be going through. God gives wisdom freely. All we have to do is ask. And we can ask any time. In verse 11, David goes on to say, You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David gives us three images to reflect on in this last verse. First, God shows us the path of life. 
If there is a path of life, then there most certainly are paths that lead to other destinations. But to follow Jesus is to know the path of life, a way of love and grace and beauty. As we follow God on this path, we experience more and more of what it means to be human as God intended for us to be. Second, David uses this phrase, God's presence is fullness of joy. We know what joy feels like, and we know what it looks like when we don't have joy. We know the dark and painful as well. In God's presence, David says, we experience the fullness of joy. We get tiny glimpses of this in things in our life, different experiences, like when we're standing at the altar saying yes to a spouse, holding a newborn baby in our hands, hearing the laughter of a loved one, seeing the faces of close friends smiling, singing happy birthday to a neighbor. The list goes on and on. Joy is everywhere. And if you think these experiences are good and amazing and beautiful, take the sum total of all of those and multiply it by infinity, and then you get the joy that David is talking about here. The joy, the fullness of joy in God's presence. We can enter into that fullness of joy right here on earth, in this life. Whenever we spend time intentionally with God, we enter God's presence to experience the fullness of joy. It's life-changing. It's life-changing to sit in that presence. That's what we were designed for, was to experience that joy. And third and finally, in this last verse, David says, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, it's not just me, is it? That sounds pretty amazing, right? (laughs) Pleasures forevermore? Sign me up. God created you and I with a desire, with a yearning for the eternal, for for the presence of God, for the heart of God. C.S. Lewis once said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that. A desire that nothing in this world can meet. Then there must be something else for that desire to crave, for that desire to chase. Desire is part of what it means to be human. We yearn for many different things. Like when I was talking about belonging and home in the beginning. Desire is meant to be aimed at something. When we desire, its intended purpose is more than just pleasure. It's pleasure forevermore in God's presence. God is where we belong. Our spiritual journey is not about a specific location on specific soil. It's about the belonging of our soul. So you see, Psalm 16 has so much to teach us about God, and David shares so much with us about his relationship with God. It's so rich that it warrants us rereading it this week. 
So I invite you to consider just going to Psalm 16 and rereading these verses, the short psalm, throughout the week. Take time to reflect on the images David uses. Allow God to draw you to one, one that's meant for you, from Psalm 16. I hope and pray that we would know our home in God. I hope and pray that we would see God as the source of all the good around us. I hope and pray we would taste and see that the Lord is good. And I hope and pray that we would seek God's wisdom. I hope and pray that in God we will find life and joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue our service with our next hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
holy and loving God, you treat us as a forgiving parent who embraces us when we rebel or disappoint you. Your mercy permits us to return into your grace, to pick ourselves up and brush ourselves off. May our offering this day reflect our gratitude. In Christ we pray. Amen. As we come to the time of the prayers of the congregation, I recognize that we, having read a psalm and dived into a psalm, uh, are a lot like the authors of the psalms. Some days we come singing praises to God, filled with joy and overwhelmed with the goodness of all around us. And other days we write our own laments, because we are going through experiences of grief, pain, disappointment, or major changes that are really uh, fearful and scary. And so whatever you find yourself in this morning, uh, if there's something that you would like us to pray for, to bring to God, whether it be a praise or an exaltation of joy or uh, something in regard to prayer of intercession or need, I want to invite you to indicate that at this time by raising your hand. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace and for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. We thank you for the Psalm of David that reminds us of all your character traits and attributes and promises. And as we come, having raised our hands, some of us praising you and thanking you for good things, and others of us praying for the needs, for the concerns, for the things that weigh heavy on our hearts and minds, we bring all these requests, all these praises, all these joys and challenges to you, and we lay them at your feet. We intercede for the situations where there is great need. We praise you, Lord, for the answered prayers, for the the needs that have been met. And we thank you, Lord, that every prayer we pray, you hear. No prayer is lost to you. And so we put them in your hands, Lord, and we thank you that we can trust you with all these things. We lift them up to you and we ask that you bless us, encourage us, and fill us with your Spirit's presence so that we can continue to move down the spiritual journey of faith, trusting you each day. Amen. Amen. And together we'll pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now for our final hymn, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed God.
may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.